Dear Lord, our God, still in us any voice but your own, that we might hear your word to us this day. Help us to understand your words of scripture and apply them faithfully to our lives. We pray in the name of Jesus, our Lord. Amen. A reading is from the Gospel of Matthew in chapter 24, verses 36 to 44. Chapter 24 is that chapter when Jesus speaks about the end of the age. And in these verses, he talks to his disciples about the need for watchfulness. Listen for these words from scripture. But about that day and hour, no one knows, neither the angels of heaven nor the Son, but only the Father. For as the days of Noah were, so will be the coming of the Son of Man. For as in those days before the flood, they were eating and drinking, marrying and giving in marriage, until the day Noah entered the ark, and they knew nothing until the flood came and swept them all away, so too will be the coming of the Son of Man. Then two will be in the field, one will be taken and one will be left. Two women will be grinding meal together, one will be taken and one will be left. Keep awake, therefore, for you do not know on what day your Lord is coming. But understand this, if the owner of the house had known in what part of the night the thief was coming, he would have stayed awake and would not have let his house be broken into. Therefore, you also must be ready, for the Son of Man is coming at an unexpected hour. The word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. It is the first Sunday of Advent. We have 24 days to prepare for Christmas. But of course, many of us have already been making plans for Christmas. Memories of past Christmases have occupied our minds. We feel a certain obligation to be joyful. And there is an eagerness to sing Christmas carols and get past the Advent hymns. Well, I assure you, Peter will not let us get away with that. <laughs> there is a lot of planning, and we don't want any surprises, except perhaps when we open presents on Christmas morning. So it comes as a bit of a shock when we read the 24th chapter of Matthew's Gospel. And this is indeed in our lectionary. It's purposeful that this passage is at the first Sunday of Advent. In it, Jesus talks about the end of the age, the persecution of believers, and the violation of a place consecrated to God. He says people will point to a leader they believe is the Messiah from God, but Jesus says, do not believe it. They will be wrong. One thing you can depend on, the Son of Man is coming at an unexpected hour. 
Jesus expected to return after his death, and of course he did the third day after his crucifixion without fanfare, seen by those who could see with eyes of faith, expectant, alert, awake to his presence among them, to see the living Christ when one is struggling with disappointment as Jesus' disciples were, is no small miracle. But the apocalyptic second coming of Christ is a time when empires are overthrown and God's reign is established, a time of judgment upon those powerful nations which have oppressed God's people. Jesus asked his disciples to be watchful because not even he knew when the end of the age would occur. One thing was clear, the end would be unexpected and the church must be ready all the time. I want us to think deeply this morning about this message of being vigilant for the unexpected. While it is an article of faith that Christ will come again, it is also an article of faith that God's kingdom broke into the world with the birth of Jesus, and it continues to manifest itself in unexpected ways. This is through the activity of the Holy Spirit among us. We may think that we have our lives all figured out, then something happens that scraps our plans. We have a choice to look for the unexpected hand of God working within this life disruption or to grieve the unexpected change in our lives and resent it. I believe our morning scripture is asking us to be vigilant for those times when the Holy Spirit is drawing us into a new and unexpected future. Let me tell you a personal story. Sarah and I experienced this when our second child came into our lives. I was about to complete my pediatric residency in Boston and was offered a fellowship at Stanford, visions of Palo Alto danced in our heads. And then I received orders from the Department of the Army to report to the U.S. Army Community Hospital at Fort Polk, Louisiana. Well, if any of you have had experience in the Army, you know what Fort Polk means to people in the Army. It's not a place you look forward to. Now, I had completed ROTC in college, but following ordination as a Presbyterian minister, I was told that my obligation was waived. Well, the Army reversed that position when I went on to medical school and added being a doctor to my call to be a minister. Needless to say, I protested in my typical low-key way, but I was told that I had better report to Fort Polk as ordered. And I did with Sarah and our first child, Allison. I can tell you that DeRitter, Louisiana is not anything like Boston, Massachusetts. And no offense to any people from Western Louisiana, but it was a shock. 
We settled into the neighborhood, getting used to the heat and the giant mosquitoes. It was July, and I started work at the Fort Polk Hospital. After adopting Allison in 1974, and this was 1978, we had really wanted to adopt a second child. We had made plans to do so in California. And that's where we believed our destination would lead us. A few days after landing in Louisiana, where we knew no one, Sarah asked a neighbor across the street if she knew any local people who had pursued adoption. The neighbor knew one woman who she thought would be willing to talk about her adoption experience. This was a time when many people simply didn't want to talk about adoption. Sarah called this woman, they talked about avenues for adoption. But later that same day, the woman called Sarah from the local dress shop, which was one of the special places in Derrida, <coughs> and told her that she had learned that her husband, who was the local attorney, was looking for a home for a baby soon to be delivered by a 15-year-old girl. Meanwhile, back at Fort Polk, where I was examining babies in the nursery, one of the nurses told me about a young girl who was about to deliver a baby and had no means to care for it. The next day, after I came home from being on call, I told Sarah my news before she could tell me her news. We believed God's hand was in this. We contacted the attorney's wife about our interest, and a few weeks later, we were receiving our new daughter, Margaret, at the Beauregard Community Hospital. I should mention that Meg did give me her permission to tell this story. Thinking back, Sarah and I are amazed at the turn of events. It was unexpected. It required some vigilance. Even before we relocated, we needed to trust that God would ultimately bless our time in western Louisiana. Advent is a time to recommit ourselves to vigilance, preparing for God's entry into our lives. Events in life often come unexpectedly, God's involvement in our lives also comes unexpectedly. Disappointing events can be received as God's judgment or they can be embraced as opportunities to respond faithfully. Moreover, and this is important, you can't tell someone else to see God's hand in a life disruption that they experience. This requires an individual's own choice and vigilance. So how should we respond in the here and now to the unexpected? What should we listen for? What should we look for? Jesus elaborates on this theme in two parables that you can read in Matthew 25. So as I was preparing this message on the verses in Matthew 24, I realized that I really had to move into the next chapter as well. 
Jesus tells two parables, the parable of the 10 bridesmaids and the parable of the talents. In the first, there are five foolish bridesmaids and five wise bridesmaids. The wise are prepared for the arrival of the bridegroom with adequate oil to keep their lamps burning. The foolish allow their lamps to go out before they can purchase more oil, and they miss the bridegroom's arrival. When they come back to the house and try to gain entry, the bridegroom turns them away. Consider the lamps as a metaphor of our own spiritual health. We all know the importance of keeping the light within us fueled. But there are so many distractions in our daily lives. How can we make time to worship God each week, to listen for God's word to us each day, to study God's word, to rehearse who we are and to whom we belong, and to pray regularly to the one source of light and life in our lives? But how else can we be prepared for the unexpected presence of the holy? In the parable of the talents, we are asked to reflect on what we do with what God has given us. Remember how the master has three servants. To one he gives five talents, to the next three, and to the last one. The first two invest their talents. The last buries his in the ground. So the question, do we take some risk with what we are given in order to be trusted recipients of God's grace? Or do we protect what we have as best we can because we are fearful of losing whatever we have? The message seems clear. God expects us to do something with what we have been given in order to participate in God's activity in this world, not to protect ourselves. And to make clear what that activity is, Jesus explains what God looks for when we come under God's judgment at that unexpected day and hour. And you can read that in Matthew 25, verses 31 to 46. Did you see me hungry and give me some food? Did you see me thirsty and give me something to drink? Did you see me a stranger and welcome me? Did you see me naked and give me some clothing? Did you see me sick and take care of me? Did you see me in prison and visit me? These actions bring the blessing of God. And if we protest that we didn't see the Son of Man in those circumstances, we learn that the biases that keep us from helping certain people also blind us to Christ's presence within those very people. All of us want to be on the right side when it comes to God's judgment. Matthew in his gospel wants us to live believing that God can break into our lives at any time. We must be prepared for the unexpected. God's salvation and judgment 
already have arrived in Jesus Christ, whose body is the church, but the full reign of God is yet to be realized. Those who focus on earthly matters, confident that belief in Jesus is sufficient for salvation, are to use a Noah reference, which Jesus uses as well, missing the boat. St. Paul underlines this point in our passage from Romans 13 that you heard read earlier. The time is now. We must, he says, put on the armor of light and live honorably, setting aside the things that gratify our desires in order to attend to God's business. It is possible to miss the unexpected by staying focused on the predictable. Rather than living with regret over missed opportunities, we are asked to look for God to do a new thing. That is the message of Advent. We make a moral decision to live in hope. We choose to put on the light of Christ to see the path ahead. Can we commit this Advent to being expectant and hopeful in spite of disappointments? My challenge to us all in this Advent season is to view this time we have on earth as critical time. None of us can predict the entrance of the holy into our lives. It always seems unexpected. We must be tuned in to God's activity and mindful of the critical choices presented to us every day. So look for opportunities to feed, clothe, welcome, and visit people in those unexpected encounters with the holy. We can actually miss the appearance of the holy just as King Herod did. The truth is, the holy will come to us, but it can also leave us behind. May we all be alert to the unexpected hand of God. Amen.